Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. Um, and if this, this is if this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, you're coming in at episode 300. 300? And as far as I understand, I think this is being published on Christmas? Uh, no. Yes, actually. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was Saturday for some Thank reason. Thank you for no. all of your Christmas listening. <laughs> We're here to help you out of whatever slump you're going through. Um, if, or if, if you just want to talk, family, talk about cars instead of politics right now, right? If there's a whole family sitting around the tree listening to our <laughs> podcast on Christmas morning, that's amazing. Um, if you don't celebrate Christmas and you're listening, that's also amazing. And uh, yeah, thank, so 300 episodes, is I think it's kind of a big deal because <laughs> uh, we started this in 2016, I guess, Sammy? Yeah. Okay. I will confirm something. I don't know. And uh, we had some mini episodes as well, which no one liked. But no one liked our bonus. <laughs> I love doing bonus episodes, but no one else did. In terms of our our, our mainline, you know, weekly episodes, this is number three hundred. And uh, I don't think any of us knew where this podcast was going when we started, which is probably for the best. And uh, I'm happy. Given the name, that's probably what happened. Yeah, yes. the name may be a little unfortunate, but we uh, we 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 muddled through, and here we are. 300 episodes later, that's essentially 50 episodes for six years, right? Like, that's how math yeah. works. So um, I, I'm i still having a great time. We're going to do another 300. That's a guarantee you can take that to the bank right now. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, why not? I'm game. You know, this this episode, we're not going to... We're not going to do too much more about the 300 aspect of it. Uh, it's not going to be like a this is Sparta situation. But... We are going to, since it's the end of the year, we're going to talk about a couple cars that we've driven recently, but also the best and, I guess, most memorable cars over the last 12 months. Right, Sammy? Yeah, that's what I'm That's what I'm claiming for. I, I've already forgotten the least memorable cars. That's true. So. And that's a beautiful thing about memory. That's, that is my favorite <laughs> It's the thing. worst parts of your life. You never think about them ever again. Once yeah. they happen, they're gone forever, right? That's how memory works. I appreciate that part of my life, really. Um, that is my friend Benjamin Hunting. You can find his work all over the internet. Ben, tell them where you can, where you can find everything. Uh, you can find my work at Car and Driver, at Motor Trend, at Haggerty, and at Inside Hook. I always like doing the plugs at the beginning of the podcast rather than at the end because I want people to be like, I don't want to hear his voice. I want to read it instead, right? Well, I mean, reading your voice <laughs> is a very different experience. There's... There's more cursing. Uh, I don't know how your editors let that through, but it's it is certainly makes an impression. We do have an agreement, me and my editors. You can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and let's go with Automotive News, okay? All right. Episode 300, Automotive we're, News. We're okay. Um, this week, we've got some new cars to talk about before we talk about all the um, previous ones. I drove a new electric car, which is common. We've been doing that um, often this year. But it's, not, but it's not really a new electric car, is it, Sammy? Right. No. This is a – it's like a It's like a Restomod, essentially. It's a converted electric car. Um, I drove the Genesis Electrified G80. That's the official name for it. You have to make sure you get that, um, that nomenclature done correctly or else no one will know what you're talking about if you call it the G80 Electrified or just the G80 EV. No one will know what you're talking about. It's funny because it almost reminds me of like how Mountain Dew – labels its products like they're very they're all extreme products it's like you got to include that extreme in there you couldn't just be yeah. like 
you know, Mountain Dew EV. It would have to be Mountain Dew Electrified Extreme. Yes. And it, it just this seems... Is- it seems like similar for sure. Extra words that don't need to be there. <laughs> electrified G80, which is an electric version of the G80, um, completely all electric. It uses a big old, I think, 80 kilowatt hour battery and uh, a pair of electric motors, which gives it, I would suppose, 365 horsepower. You would suppose. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I believe, really. Okay. And um, about 282 miles of range. I didn't get that much range because I was driving it in the harsh reality of winter and also because you drive flat out all the time i didn't not this time okay but i could have if i really wanted to (laughs) so how much does this weigh this weighs about 700 pounds more than the gas model so it's about 5,000 pounds 5,100 pounds no it's not it's about sorry 5,400 pounds oh wow so it's a full thousand pounds more (laughs) yes i i believe so okay uh which makes it a hefty Hefty car, that's for sure. And it's roughly the same size as a 5 Series. Yeah, 5 Series, E-Class, something like that. Oh, sorry. I did get the number wrong there. My mistake. I am i don't know what I'm doing. 5,047 pounds. So it is 700 pounds more than okay. the gas model. Um, it is pretty... It is pretty... What did you ask me? Hold on. Wait, what did you ask me? I how big ask, is it? I just asked you... Yeah, I asked you how... I mean, I asked you about the weight. Then I asked you if it was the same size as a 5 Series. And, and now here we are. Yeah, we should uh, we should clarify. This is a hefty hefty car, five thousand forty seven pounds. It is about the same size as a um, five series. And what I think is really important to talk about is that this is essentially, like I mentioned, a converted um, gas powered vehicle to an electric powertrain, and it's fairly efficient. Two hundred eighty two miles is is competitive, I think, with with other electric um, sedans. It's about two mile, I, twenty miles more than a Bolt. Yeah. And I think you can get what 300 miles out of an Ionic? I also think that if the if the conditions are right, you can probably get um over 300 miles of range in this mainly due to the aerodynamic um nature of this. Now that it's not a crossover or a hatchback, it's a little bit more um streamlined aerodynamically and I think you're going to get some benefits from that um in terms of um efficiency. So I like the G80 it's yeah, a good who vehicle, nice interior. I think it looks great on the outside. The gas versions handle nicely, decent power. But when it becomes electrified, is it worth buying? And follow-up question, how much more do I have to pay for this electrification? You have to pay a lot for this electrification. It starts at $79,000 um, before any other you know, delivery destination. Um that's significantly more than the base price, which is forty nine thousand. So base 30, price, that's like a four cylinder, right? Yes. Okay. So you want to compare this, I guess, to the um, to the six cylinder model. It's like sixty six thousand for the all wheel drive model, something like that. Yeah, you want to do you want to do apples to oranges? Apples yeah, that's to, the and in fact, you can't get a rear wheel drive twin turbo V six version of the Genesis. No, it, so it, that's a sixty five thousand dollar car. Yeah, so you're paying. 13 grand more, I guess, or 10 yeah. grand more. For all electric power, it's got a little less horsepower, much more much more torque, about 500 pounds feet of torque, which is awesome. Um, car is very re- The car is very reactive. It can charge very quickly. I didn't get the chance to test it on any significantly fast DC fast chargers. Is it eGMP? It is not eGMP. That's what is crazy about this thing. Um, so eGMP, for those who maybe not know, that's what Hyundai and Kia have. That's their current 
state of the art electrification slash EV platform. And it's, you know, the Ionic and the EV6 and all that. And the future, you know, the EV7, all those vehicles are based on eGMP. Yes. Um, it, it can, I think it can hit like 135, which is pretty decent. It's not 350, but that's what you get with that's EGMP. kilowatts. Yes. Yeah. Um, which will still allow it to DC fast charge in about 30 minutes, which is pretty good. If you get those numbers, those, those rates, which is great. Um, it hits zero to 60 in about four seconds, which is very fast for a vehicle this big. Um, and I think that's actually faster than the gas model. It's extremely fast. (laughs) Yes. And, um, over, overall it is a very, um, it's a, it's a good feel to me. I like this. I liked this more than I thought I would, because to me, I thought it would have been maybe a bit like, um, haphazard, maybe a compromise in terms of not adopting a completely electric oriented platform, right? It kind of seems like there aren't any sacrifices. Like I haven't heard you say well, anything yet. Like, okay. It's heavy. So it's not exactly the most agile feeling car on the road. It feels pretty hefty. But it was never um, agile to begin with. Like it was agile for its class, but it's not, it, it mm, would be a mistake to call it a sporty kind of car. You know? Yeah. But I do think that the weight also um, impacts high speed acceleration like uh when you're already at the highway speeds and you want to make a pass um and you do find yourself going over the speed limit or anything like that i think that responsiveness that is is not um is not as good as the six-cylinder version of this car right which is really good um another thing to point out is the trunk space is reduced they say it's just three uh cubic feet but um it's not just that it's like the Layout is weird. It kind of like the the area of the trunk that's closer to the rear seats has like an angle to it, like a, a significant like slant or ramp, and that really impacts the way you load stuff. It almost makes that that um, angled area almost useless when you're packing stuff into it. Yeah, that's something that's I think important to consider when you're talking about cargo space because you can <laughs> you could have cargo space that was like you could put a mesh grid in the floor of a vehicle and have like these tiny test tube like areas that you could theoretically put water in and say that you can that's cargo space, right? In theory, but mm-hmm. if it's not useful. And, and I also want to point out you said 3 cubic feet less, right? So yeah. the the standard gas power G80 has 13 cubic feet of cargo space total. So yeah. if you drop that to 10, that's yeah. all that's like a 25% drop. Almost yeah. 25% drop in in cargo space. And if you were to position it that way, <laughs> it sounds <laughs> a lot more serious. Yeah, it is. Um those are the major sacrifices and again I was saying that I drove it in the winter. I didn't see um that much that significant of a uh, sorry i didn't see the range that it was targeted for i got about um let's see here let me do my i got 50 less miles uh 25 less miles on a full charge okay so that's like that's not bad that's that's a 10 percent loss 10 to 15 percent yeah that's actually pretty good compared to some we've seen vehicles with 20 to 30 percent loss. Yeah, almost 40 in some cases. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, I think this is OK. But you asked the more important question, which is, is it worth it to go this this route? I think the major compromise, especially in comparison to the gas powered powered model, is the weight. Um, you're going to be plugging in every every 300 miles. Right. Um, or less. And. The gas-powered model doesn't have that that compromise. Well, right, so, it's, so it's less convenient. Yeah, and I think that's a 
I think that's an important element to bring up when you're talking about a car that costs this much. And I always feel like this is just a a stepping stone between the e, the next eGMP powered luxury vehicle. So right now you see a lot of electric luxury vehicles. We've talked about the i4, for example. We've talked about the Taycan. Um, what other sedans are there? Uh, well, electric the, sedans. The, the Audi uh, e-tron GT. Yep. Um, and, and I think you've got some more. Even um, I mean, there's the EQE, the EQS. EQE, exactly. So I and I think more are coming. And I think that um, there's like a Polestar coming. I think there's a new. Um, Ionic coming. I think this is trying to fill in the gap until they can they can offer something that is more competitive with those products that are built from the ground up, with the exception of the i4, to be um, an all-electric product, right? And also important to point out that Genesis does not have another EV except for the EV60, right? And the EV60 is... Um, it, it's a cross... It's a hatchback. Like, it yeah. feels... It's a different style of vehicle. It doesn't look as sleek or classy or executive i think as the g80 does if and, that makes sense and this g80 is you know it, it, it's kind of a stepping stone as you pointed out but it's not going to be the only one because i believe there's an electrified gv70 that's the yep. compact crossover that they have like the more traditional looking crossover so yep. that's coming next year or this year i, I guess i should say and that will also, I'm assuming, have the same strengths and weaknesses as this G80 does. I would think it's exactly the same drivetrain that they're putting in there. Hmm. So I, I haven't taken a look at that one yet. Um, I will talk about some fun stuff here, though. Give me a minute here. There's a that really gimmicky 3D-looking um, gauge cluster in this car. Yeah. Completely unnecessary. No, I never do not need this. that. I, I have lazy eye and I can't see it. So <laughs> there's also the the cap. Whatever you're gonna call it, the cap for the plug. What do you call that? I think it's we called the call cap. The, 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 the cap. door. The filler door. <laughs> the filler door. I guess the recharge plug door is on the hood of is on the grill of the vehicle, but is so <laughs> cleanly integrated into the grill that I had no clue where to where to push it or did like you start like open? tapping parts of the car like <laughs> hoping they pop open did. like like a secret passage in an old mansion yeah 100 and my wife was looking at me like what what are you doing i'm like the plug is somewhere out here i don't know where it is she, Until she got I it noticed. right away right you know what you do yeah, this yeah. is what i learned so if you're in, if you're ever in this situation you go you, you you put your ear along the edge of the car and you listen for the whistle of the wind and the yeah. wind, because on the other side, it's hollow, right? It's like when you're in a mansion, you, if you have a candle, you take the candle and you put it along the wall and you wait for the flickering flame to show you where the, the secret door is. And that's where you know how to push. So you got to do that with the electric cars as well. Now, the reason Ben knows this is that over the years, he's he been... certainly um, didn't grow up in a haunted mansion. No, he didn't grow up in a haunted mansion, but he has... He, ben has basically like a bunch of alerts on his on his computer. And every time there's one of these... Uh, survive a night in the haunted house contest or situations, Ben is the first one to sign up. But always and, under a pseudonym. Yes. Because you don't want the ghosts following you back home. That's right. And you've done now what? About um, a dozen? A dozen and a half? of Bloodless encounters is what yeah. I... Yes. Um, and you've come away with... The, you've won the mansion at the end of the night every yeah, single it's, time. It's and hard a little bit no more sometimes. And hard-fought knowledge of the spirit world. Don't discount the value of that. Well, yeah, of course. Anyway, so yeah, you basically have to approach this um, hidden cap door um, the way you would um, a mansion secret passageway. You'll eventually find it. You'll find it every single time. It's great. And what else do I want to mention about this vehicle? Does it have a frunk? No, no what? frunk. 
No frunk? <laughs> you really wanted a frunk in a car that would have had a gas motor there? Look, we've had a lot of frunk-related conversations lately, and yes. I feel like we kind of are obligated to investigate the existence of a frunk. So is it like the EQS in that the frunk is technically not there, but it really is there? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, if you know No, you can access this area um, easily. There's a latch where, okay. where you would find a, a So you pop it open, and what do you see? You see a bunch of wires? <laughs> they put a uh, an engine cover essentially over top of this area. Um, it's nothing special. If you flip it's... the engine cover upside down, does it become a frunk? <laughs> <laughs> Just the storage tray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I will say now, after using some other vehicles, the infotainment system on the on the G80 is feeling a tiny bit dated. Um, doesn't take advantage of this very large um, screen that it has. Very distracting in the way that it, it separates it. In, if you're especially if you're using like Android Auto or Apple CarPlay, just in three different locations, it is a touchscreen. You can't reach far enough to use it while you're driving, so your passenger has to do it, and that's even more distracting. I've found in some cases when they don't know what how to use the infotainment system for the first time. You know, I'm a little surprised at this point that we haven't seen an automaker take advantage of the frunk and the infotainment system by merging them together so that you could park pop the hood of the car and have like a screen there and everyone just hangs out outside and watches a movie. This would have been perfect during the dark days, the darkest days of the pandemic, right? You could have had like a socially distanced movie night with your EV. You could even maybe just use it. Maybe, maybe if like there's, there's multiple options, like at the low end, it's just a sheet that drops down and yeah. you could project your movie. on. Or you can it. do shadow puppets. You can do shadow puppets. And then if you pay more, you get an actual screen. And if you pay a whole lot more, you get like OLED. So um, it's funny that you bring that up because I believe Smart, the Mercedes-Benz um, brand, whatever you want to call it, Smart Cars, um, they had a concept that had a built-in projector in the hood. Does it project like another this. Smart Car up ahead of you? So <laughs> no. like you create a pack of Smart Cars and people don't mess with you as much? No, but you could watch a movie on a wall somewhere. No one wants to be swarmed by a, a pack of tiny two-seaters. <laughs> don't talk about that. That's dangerous. It is dangerous. Um, but we I also once talked drove about the smart... ISEP. Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. Okay, non sec, not not unrelated. I once drove a smart car up the steps of Nike headquarters. What? Or... No, you didn't. Yeah, I did, and left before security which which chases away. Up the stairs. Up the stairs. It was a photo opportunity for a scavenger hunt. Chief, man, good for you. You really do. You you go all in every time, right? Well, if there was a projector to keep me entertained, maybe I wouldn't have to resort to such shenanigans. Now, that's on a concept car for what is a essentially a very reasonably priced vehicle. But um, BMW said that the i7 will have this massive, like, I don't know, 50-inch screen in the back of their car, which you can just chill out and watch. And you pointed uh, out that that screen is perfect for watching movies while you wait for your giant battery to charge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why doesn't the Hummer have this in its bed? That It's useless truck bed. Again, exactly. See, these are, or it's frunk. I mean, these are important things. You could keep other people entertained at the charging point. Maybe you could even say, all right, let me go first. You can watch a movie on my Hummer. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Absolutely. I think the, what's the other one? The um, F-150 Lightning yes. even has like a plug in the, in the frunk so you can do stuff like that. Sure. But does it this have is going to be an accessory. This is going to be part of an exterior HDMI port. <laughs> this is going to be an accessory that they're going to sell us, like the Maverick. Remember how you could DIY in 3D 
Bring Remember how they Maverick promised us that? Have you ever actually looked for any of that gear? That you have, There's nothing. It's like I, I was try, I was writing an article the other day. And I'm like, oh, this might be interesting. You know, the cool stuff that you can 3D print for your your thing. And it, they, they did a contest, I think. And yep. I think two things. Mm-hmm. One, one was like a different kind of cup holder, and the other was it was like a, a, gy- a, a gyro cup holder. Or yeah, like it was. That, it went, and it's it's like okay. I mean, I guess that's interesting in the sense that it's what you would find in any other vehicle anywhere else, but. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. I saw someone made a taco holder for their Maverick once. That was cool, nice. but not a lot of not a lot of people getting on the the 3D printing train for the Maverick. I'm a little disappointed. Do you think that has something to do with the um, at a dealer markup of the Maverick? I just they, think a, they've spent all of their filament money. I think it's just a really difficult time to be alive, and being creative is <laughs> being creative is asking a lot. Um, I will. I'll. Pivot away from the G80. It's an interesting car. I wouldn't recommend it over some of the other um, EVs that are available. Um, I think you and I have both found the BMW EVs to be very good. You talked about the i4 a lot. I really like the iX. Um, and if the iX is like, if the i4 is like my experience in the iX, I would recommend it. I think the Taycan is really good. I think the you said the e-tron is very good. I think these this might not be at the top end of the of the spectrum just yet, but I think you know. It's an offering that's really not as bad as it sounds. So we're going to pivot away from something that uh, is futuristic towards something that is kind of the status quo. And what are you talking about here? Well, that's the vehicle I drove. I drove the 2023 Honda CRV. And what do you this, mean by status? This is an, an all-new generation of the CRV. It has to be futuristic. So that's where you're wrong because <laughs> it is indeed what you said. It is indeed the, a redesigned version of the CRV. But what it, what it is is it's the exact same vehicle you got before in in a different way. You know, it's like I swear this is the third generation Honda has done this. It's it, it has this. It carries over its motor from before. It's the same one and a half liter turbo uh, that you'll find in the in the Civic. I believe that it was. I believe you could get that in the CRV before. Am I correct? Yep, and I think you can get it in the HRV. It, it maybe it's 190 horsepower at 179 pound feet of torque. That's totally fine. Totally fine. We're not numbers. messing around, man. It's got, it's got a CVT. Eh, probably the weakest part of the drivetrain. It's, it's it's a little buzzy. Um, but what I I'm not I don't want to talk about this vehicle too much because there's not a lot to talk about. What? Come on, man. This, this vehicle. A bajillion people around the world buy a CRV. Exactly. They want to hear you say something about it, not. I don't want to talk And a bajillion people it. drink a glass of water every three hours, but it, that doesn't make it notable. And that's the thing about the CRV is... What? Makes, Hydration is important. Sure, and transportation is important too, but that doesn't necessarily make it notable. The CRV makes pretty much no impression on you when you drive it. It is a... It is the definition of a commuting appliance. And Honda has got this down to a science. This is a car for people who don't care about cars, who never want to think about cars. It, it, when you go to the rental counter... It is the silhouette of or equivalent <laughs> in whatever segment, you know, like you're like the rental, when you get to the rental car counter and they've run out of every other car, they're just going to give you a CRV because it doesn't matter. It's, it's the same as anything else you would have gotten. Like it's, it is the template. It is the ubiquitous model. It is what other crossovers kind of aspire to be with putting their own spin on it. So the, the best things I have to say about this car are. It does everything it needs to do. It's got really good cargo space. Um, it's inoffensive to look at. It, you can easily forget you own one. Like I, I walked by it a couple times on the street, pl- clicking the the unlock button, and I had to turn around because it beeped behind me. <laughs> I had walked right by it. Um, 
my mine was in white the one i drove so it's... i have seen so many of these on the road already and i swear they released it like last week or something like it feels like a brand new like brand brand new car and i feel like i've seen a ton of them already it is um, it is but the... that might be me looking at last year's model it is a very vanilla car the interior is nothing to write home about but there's nothing wrong with it either it's just very basic mm-hmm. everything works everything's there uh the driving experience utterly forgettable you know, the one real knock against this car, fuel mileage wasn't very good. Um, I had it mean by fair? It wasn't very good. Well, I had how it, bad could it be? I had it in the cold, and I got yeah. 21 miles per gallon combined. Holy cow. And most you of that was highway. Like SUV territory, like body on frame yeah. SUV territory. Most of that was highway. Oh, that's exciting. It's rated at 29. <laughs> Jeez. And I want to say it was just above freezing. Like it wasn't super cold. So I was disappointed with that. I have a friend who had the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid version, which is the only other drivetrain available. And they were very disappointed with their fuel mileage as well. So this might be a Honda specific problem. Um, but this is a status quo vehicle. It's it's it starts I think around thirty grand I want to say uh, it's not particularly cheap. There are only four models: two of them gas powered, two of them plug in hybrid. It starts at around thirty. Yeah, See, this is Honda has been doing this thing lately where they've gotten rid of their affordable cars and just <laughs> all of their cars are thirty thousand or more. Yeah, and I think that's um, it's really sad actually. It, it because, starts like, at even the HRV can be quite expensive. I, I agree. The other weird part about this car is Honda calls it a a midsize. And huh? it's funny because they have two other midsize crossovers in their lineup. There's the Pilot and the Passport, which are way bigger. Yes. So it's like small, medium, large, midsize, basically. And it, you, if you click on it, like on Honda's website, it's like, oh, this is our midsize CRV. So what does that make the HRV compact? I don't know. I mean, no other company in the same segment as the CRV, like RAV4. CX-5, Ford Escape, no one says that those are midsize. They're all advertised no. as compact. So, right. I mean, if you want to buy this, go ahead. There's nothing really wrong with it except it's thirsty on gas. It'll do everything you need to do. It's probably more money than you need to spend compared to some of rivals. I mean, you can get similarly sized vehicles at around 25, I think. Easily. So, I mean, a, how much is a Ford? I mean, a Forester is super boring too, but you can get that for more for cheap and yeah. pretty much the same. So, I had to talk to you though about... Um, a note that a, a few words you said earlier. Okay. There's a difference between different types of glasses of water that you can have. I oh mean, a cold glass of water on oh the right day really hits the spot, right? And yeah. then, and you know what? If you're trying to escape, like let's say there's a dinosaur charging at you, and you you're trying to escape, you would welcome a CRV. You would be like, all right, let's let's boogie 190 horsepower, one and a half liter turbo four. Let's do yeah. this real time, all wheel drive. <laughs> Whatever that means, yes. Um, so I think you're. I think we need to to acknowledge though that other cars in this class do the same thing. Like they all do the same thing. They're all reasonably practical. They all have all wheel drive. They all have that between I don't know one seventy five and two hundred and fifteen uh, horsepower. Yeah. You know, but so many of them have a killer app. Be it design, if you're looking at the Mazda or the um, Rav Four. Uh, they might have a ton of safety features. They might have um, fuel efficiency or different powertrains. Yeah, different powertrains is a great point because, I mean, you can get technically a different powertrain with the Honda, but it's just a plug-in hybrid. Like, it's not like yeah. there's nothing. And it's no, probably super expensive, too. I haven't heard how much that will cost. There's no performance version of this vehicle. And and unlike pretty much every other vehicle in its class, you can't get like a faux off-road version of this car.
are. Yeah. So there's no there's no like um, wilderness version. There's no yep. X line or X Pro. There's no Bronco Sport version of this vehicle. Or TRD Pro or TRD Off Road. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's it's very much it's 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 amazing how plain Honda wants this vehicle to be and power to them because they sell a ton of them and people want them and it it has a definite market. But you know, is this is this them afraid of messing with something that's I think, been working? I think that they're probably very conservative, just in the sense that, like you said, it's working, so why change it? But also, like, why invest in something if they don't have to? Which is a little bit of a cynical way to look at it. We saw that with Toyota when they had the not so much its passenger vehicles, but its trucks, like the Tacoma stayed status quo forever because they were selling like two hundred thousand of them a year, and the right. Ranger was selling like like 30,000 or something. <laughs> and they just totally owned that market. So they didn't need to improve it. I think the CRV doesn't need to improve. It's a little bit of a dangerous play to make because the RAV4 is pretty damn good. And a lot of other vehicles are, are, are good too. And they take more risks. Like I had a, a Sportage, which is also redesigned for this yep. year. I had it immediately after the CRV. I got inside the Sportage. After dropping off the Honda. I remember this. My first thought was, this is so much better. Yeah, you and, messaged me being like, wow, the Sportage. And, and you, you were like, like, you were like, what are you talking about? It's yeah, just a Sportage. <laughs> and the Sportage. Like, Man, take it down a notch. I think you're exaggerating a bit. And the Sportage has like, yeah, I emerged like blinking in the sun like a hostage, like into the embrace of the Sportage. No, was, you got out of it and you just started screaming. Has, <laughs> has anyone looked inside this car? <laughs> And the Sportage, like, what it was for me... Okay, first, the visual design of the Sportage is way more interesting. It's it's a nice-looking vehicle. Yeah. Inside, though, they actually took some time to add some details. It does have annoying features like that that multi, multi-press, context-sensitive HVAC and stereo controllers. We won't get too deep into yeah. this because we're not talking Sportage today. But I was able to overlook all of that because it was like an oasis in a desert of plainness from the Honda. You know, like it was so weird. And the Sportage is also bigger. Like if anything is considered midsize, maybe you would say Sportage because it's on the same platform as the Sorento now. But no. Anyway, whatever. Okay, not going to. No, but I I think you're you're on. And I mean, you can say the same thing about the Tucson, which has really, really eye catching design. I don't know if it's for everybody, but people will see it. Um, the CX-5 and the CX-50 both come in in this uh, in a similar uh, class, and they're both really cool looking. You've got the the Subaru, which comes with standard all-wheel drive and that Wilderness Edition, Bronco Escape, uh, Bronco Sport and Escape. They play their roles too, right? Everything seems like it it hits it hits something, right? Like be it technology or ruggedness or off-roadness or pr- practicality. What is the CRV doing? CRV is just like. Nothing. Here's a silhouette. Here's an yeah, empty silhouette onto which car. you can project your dreams. Did it have a head-up display? Did it have... Had nothing. Um, had no, had no features. Nothing. Some sort of advanced safety system it had, that like, was annoying. That, the basics that you would expect from advanced safety. But, like, yeah. it's, again, it's what you would expect. You know, like, that's the very definition of this vehicle. At no point are you pleasantly surprised or negatively surprised. It's just, here it is. Have wow. at it. Okay. Um, let's, let's go into the cars that we were surprised by this year. Um, do you have a couple of cars you want to talk about that, uh, that, that major, made 2022 something special for you? Sure. The, I mean, this is the year I think in my career where electric cars came very close to being 50% of what I drove. Okay. Uh, that's never happened before for me. 
So there are a lot of electric vehicles that I thought were very impressive. We talked about the RS e-tron GT from Audi. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked that vehicle. I thought it was a great grand touring car. Uh, it was comfortable. It looked fantastic. It felt luxurious. It was exceptionally fast. I mean, it's horrendously expensive, but for the money, I feel like there is a decent return on what you're getting. I was very impressed with that vehicle. Um, kind of in the same, not, not can I, quite. Can as... I add? Can I add to you though with that with your e-tron? I, I don't know if you're moving on from the e-tron though. I was about because to... I have. On my list, actually, the very similar um, Taycan GTS, which is a mid-trim version of the Taycan, which was fantastic. Really good car, right in the middle of the spectrum of, of I don't know, like 11 versions of Taycan you can get. <laughs> um, and I found that one to be really, really solid, impressive in, in all the right ways. Okay, what's the, what's your next car? Well, much more surprising to me was I really liked the BMW iX. I drove the, yeah, I hey, drove the, uh, the X-Drive 50 version of it. Which is not the fastest one. It's the entry level one. And honestly, I don't care that it has unusual styling. I think it suits it. It has a gorgeous interior. It is pretty much everything you would want out of a luxury transportation crossover thingy. Um, I have the iX in my list as well. I drove the M60 and said this is too much. Yeah, I remember you saying. of everything. But to me. It's more expensive too, right? It is, yes. But to me, it's exactly what you said. It might have really unconventional exterior design, but every other element of the car makes up for it. Um, from the interior design, the performance, the feel, the technology. It is that to me is what BMW it's like BMW at its at its peak, really. And I think the last of the EVs that really made an impression on me this year was the Hyundai Ionic Five. Okay. I really like the styling. I wish it had a rear a rear wiper on the on the yes. tailgate. Uh but it's 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 a it's a truly excellent car. I think as a car for everyone. I wish it was also a little less expensive than it is. I think that's mm. somewhat problematic. I know that I don't think it got the same price boost for 2023 that the EV6, which is similar from Kia, that it got. But it's you know, it's reasonably affordable. It has great range. It's comfortable. It's quick. It looks good. Um, and it's we're in a world now where Hyundai and Kia are right up there with uh, leaders. I never would have expected to be calling them leaders in electrification, but they're yeah. certainly putting out some compelling automobiles. Yeah, and uh, I had the similar um, eGMP platform GV60, mainly because I drove this car and I there's this really funny green button on the on the steering wheel that says boost. <laughs> Promise me, don't press that button without being prepared for what happens next. That, it just takes off. It's insane. It just uh, takes it does it does it instantly take off or do you have to also use the accelerator? You have to also use the accelerator, but like it just interprets your throttle position as like a hundred percent now and it's just like gone. There's so. another vehicle that does that and, and it's I can't think of what it is. I remember being very surprised by it. It was it was something like it gave you like fifteen seconds of it or something like that. Yeah. What was it? Was it the e-tron? I can't remember. Or was it a nine eleven? No, it was I think it was an electric vehicle okay. and it gave you like a similar situation or, or it might have been, it might've been a turbo. Was it the Elantra N? Does it have that feature? It you doesn't matter. I haven't driven the Elantra N. Well, I think you liked it a ton though. I am. Yeah. That, well, moving on to gas power vehicles, Elantra yep. N definitely a huge surprise in the sense that they managed to take the playfulness of the Veloster N, which is one of my favorite compact performance cars and translate it into a slightly larger a slightly larger sedan form. And I, I say that I'm surprised because they tried to do the same thing with the Kona and it didn't work for me. It's theoret- I'm really surprised that that 
turned out the way it did. I thought, first of all, I have heard people say that Kona N is good, but I it's think if fine. they have never driven a manual transmission, a Lantra N, or even the Veloster N before, Which is so they're much missing better. out. Yeah, they're exactly. missing the content. And I think it looks great. People are like, oh, it's it's kind of weird styling. You know what? I want my aggressive, compact performance Ruffian car to be unusual to look at. I don't want it to blend into the background. So I really liked the Elantra. And Sammy, what about you? What, what What's your your gas list look like this year? Um, I'm going to start with you uh, and go with the Sport Compact. I think uh, the Civic Type R really impressed me this year. Um, it impressed me last time, too. Unfortunately, the design was a little bit bizarre, and I think they've refined that a tiny bit here. But everything else about the, the Type R is still a really enjoyable, smile-friendly kind of car. Um, and then I'll, I'll move into something a little bit more exotic. Uh, I drove the the Huracan Tactica, which is um, one of the last street-oriented iterations of the Huracan. They came out with an off-road version of the Huracan as well uh, in, in limited production. And um, I was really impressed with this because it still feels like a fresh new vehicle, even though it came out essentially unchanged eight years ago. And um, this might be the last time we really see this V10 in action. Um, and I'm, I think we're going to miss that a lot. Speaking of things that are kind of, you know, here for their last time and that we're definitely going to miss, um, the last vehicle on my list is the CT5V Blackwing, yeah. which is maybe the best sports sedan built in the last five years. Uh, it, fantastic sound, really great reflexes, very balanced chassis, comfortable to drive, looks really good, uh, does, it is fairly reasonably priced for what you get, and it's the only six-speed uh, four-door car with a V8 on the market that I think we had that conversation when I was when we did the episode on it. You can't really get manual transmissions and sedans anymore um, that in, in V8-powered sedans. It just yeah. it just doesn't happen. So it's it's the last of its kind in the sense that I don't really see Cadillac doing. I, we keep saying that it's like oh they're never going to do it. Like the last generation CTSV, everyone was like oh they're never going to do this again. And then they made that yeah. weird. The weird CT6 V Blackwing with the the, the bespoke mm-hmm. engine that was only for that car, and now you're back with the Blackwing, which has an LT based motor, and I, I'm hope I'm wrong, and I hope we get an, an iteration of this in the future. But if we don't, this is a great way to send it off. Uh, and I, I want to reiterate to the listeners: Ben liked this car so much he wouldn't stop telling me during the week he had it. Like he messaged me being like, "This is so good. This is amazing." I Middle really of the night. My- yeah, I can oh, really I better answer myself. this. <laughs> yeah, you were you were like really taken with it, and I think you were thinking about it for a long time. I don't know if that came across in the episode, but um, it came across to me, and I and I'm really glad that you got to have that experience. I think um, it was it was it was automotive enthusiasm at its best. Really. I think that and the Etron GT are probably the best cars I drove last year. Wow! If I had to, if I had to pick uh, one one EV and one gas powered car, that's what I would go with. Very cool. Okay. Um, I don't have anything else to talk about. Do you want to? You want to talk about anything else? I no. I think that's that's you know that's a good episode number three hundred. I want to send a couple shout outs to David and Russ for reaching out and oh, yeah. kind words about the show. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. If anyone else wants to reach out and talk about the their favorite cars of the past year, you know, like what really stuck out to them, or if you know things that you're interested in or excited about for 2023 stuff that's on the horizon that's something that we could talk about in the new year because we are going to be taking next week off 
Uh, so there won't be an episode on New Year's Day, just the Christmas episode. And we will be back the week after that with a whole bunch of car talk and whatnot. So if you want to get in touch with us, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. You can go to the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form there. You fill it out. You hit submit or send. I can't remember what it says. And it ends up in our inbox. If you want to email us the old-fashioned way, it's benjamin at benjaminhunting.com. You can also get in touch with us on social media. Sammy is on the cesspool that is Twitter, assuming Twitter is still operational at the time yeah, of this podcast. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is, he is Sammy at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. I am on Instagram, which is a little bit more stable, at Hunting Benjamin. Very cool. Um... Thanks for listening, guys. It's been a good year. It's been a fun year. Yeah. And uh, um, if, if you enjoy the podcast, you know, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff. We have and a Ko-Fi. Don't, don't forget to tell them about the Ko-Fi. Oh, what is the Ko-Fi? ko-fi.com slash unnamed automotive podcast. And what happens there? You can give us a little tip. You can uh, help us keep the lights on or pay for our charging or whatever, our gas. It helps. Add another light to Sammy's Christmas yards. Please do. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. But I'll get another light for it. So thank you to everyone uh, for uh, 300 episodes. We wouldn't be doing this if people weren't listening. And we appreciate that you're there. And uh, yeah. And we hope to see you back in 2023. Sounds good. See you.